Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Our old Uncle Elon is at it again, Lee. The world has been enthralled watching Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets blast off into the sky and gracefully return to the launch pad. But what about Elon's plan to blanket the Earth in internet connectivity by launching more satellites than have ever been flown in the history of human spaceflight? Can it work? What will this new technology look like? We are flying high with Uncle Elon today on Beyond Terrestrial. Take it away, Lee. This episode of Beyond Terrestrial, we are covering SpaceX. This is Lee coming to you from the Bell Witch's backyard inside the Haunted Barn Studios. As always, I'm partnered here by my buddy Dan. He's coming to you from where was that again? Just, just tell me that again, Dan. Not used to it's it yet. Just, I almost said south of the moon. I know it's new. It's new. It's just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his deal with the devil. Oh, the deal with the devil. I knew it was the deal with the devil, but I couldn't remember where you were just down from that crossroads. Yes. That's that's a great uh, blues motif, the crossroads. You see it in a lot of music. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, Dan, tell me a little bit. You You really set this one up, and I'm excited to hear more about it. So tell me about what we're doing today. Yeah, so, you know, we're always uh, perusing the Facebook and other platforms for good local stories, rightly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I do. I peruse. Um, we per- we're perusers, you and I. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it just so happened that one came up from my old stomping grounds in Idaho, and I thought... I thought it was a great looking little picture with a fun story. Um, So we reached out and we were able to do a little interview. Oh, awesome. So um, that's what we recorded the other day with Miss Miss Christine, huh? Yes. And um, well, we we go over how we found out about this in the interview a little bit, Lee. Uh, 
Christine was a retired veterinarian living in Idaho, south of the moon on the banks of the beautiful Snake River. And when she saw something she had never seen before, she had the presence of mind to document and share her experience. Let's listen in. All right, guys, here we go. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back in into that interview. Bear with us a little bit on the sound quality from Mr. Dan over here. We're still working on getting our uh, interview set up where we can isolate the two different uh, voices. I think we've got it not locked down, though. So, guys, enjoy this little break and then we'll be right back after the interview. Let's hear from some of our friends at Fourth Hand. Never mind that. Welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host, Juan. I know that was a mouthful. But join us while we talk about a variety of things. Life, business, maybe some conspiracy theories. Who knows? Just sit back and enjoy the ride. We're going to answer all your lifelong questions. Like, is it okay to shave your balls with the same machine you use on your face? I don't know. Anyways, follow us on social media. Instagram at the Juan on Juan podcast. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, where you can catch our weekly episodes. See you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Haunted Barn Studios on Beyond Terrestrial. Today, we are conducting an interview with my buddy Dan and his special guest. Dan, who's your special guest again? Uh, it's Christine Spelius. She's a local mm-hmm. from out by where I used to live, south of the moon on the banks of the beautiful Snake River. Um, and I saw a Facebook post that went around. Christine had put up. And it made the rounds to some of our mutual friends in that small town. And uh, she's here to tell us about what she saw. So, Christine, uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and then uh, that sighting. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I've been living in Daclo for... Um, almost 20 years, and I raised my two children here, and I'm a retired veterinarian. I've been retired for two years. I'm 71 years old, and um, I, this happened on January 16th, about Uh 7.20 in the evening. I had just come home, and um, I have animals, horses, and donkeys, and so I I have a fence, uh, electric hot wire across my driveway entrance, and I just had parked my car and was walking back to um, put the hot wire back up, and I turned around and saw these, a string of lights, and my first thought, um, they were all in a line, equal distance apart, and I probably saw like 10 of them. And I thought it must be helicopters or something, but I, I didn't hear anything. I couldn't hear the sound of 
any um, <clears throat> helicopters or jets. Then I did see a jet go across the um, path of these um, objects, lights. They looked like um, like a jet that might be flying at um, 30,000 feet. The speed they had was moving about how fast a jet would move across the sky if it was that high in the sky. They were kind of a similar speed. Um, but I... I was just kind of taken back. I'd never really seen anything quite like that. Um, so, and I was trying to decide exactly what it was, <laughs> kind of unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, but I had some yard lights up <clears throat> in my clinic. I had um, porch lights, three por different porch lights in my clinic and also in my house. And I wanted to take a picture and so I had to um, run in and unlock all those, both buildings and turn the lights off so that I would have better view to be able to take a picture. And I had left my phone in the house, I think, so I had to run in and get that. So, you know, that took a bit of time. My clinic is across the driveway from my home, and it's a big driveway you can turn around in it. It's, it's quite large. Um, so in the time it took me to go turn those lights off and the house and grab my phone and come back out, and then I had to kind of position myself behind some buildings so some neighbors that live on the opposite side of the road down a ways so their lights wouldn't be affecting my ability to take that picture. Um, and it, they just kept coming, you know, like I was kind of surprised that all the time that it took me to turn these lights off and grab my camera and get back out there, they were still coming along. Um, anyway, um, I did hear a jet go by perpendicular almost to the path of these little lights. Uh, when I took the picture, they looked more like little bars because um, my camera had three, two or three seconds that it takes the picture when it's dark so that it it's my phone kind camera. of a low light setting sort of thing yeah a low light setting it's a mm -hmm. um an iphone pro max camera and i'm really unfamiliar with a lot of the details because i just got it recently <laughs> so so <laughs> um <laughs> I wished I, I kind of wished I'd tried to take a video. I don't know if it has the low light settings for videos or not. You know, I don't know if that would have worked, but that would have been nice. Well, I saw the shot and I thought it was actually really good um, for uh, for an amateur shot. Just, I mean, uh, on the regular camera settings, I think mm -hmm. it looks great. I, my phone can't even take a shot of the stars. So I think uh, for you to have the presence of mind to go out and turn off the other lights and get a better view of what you were seeing and uh, grab your camera, all all really good stuff to document uh, this uh, string of lights in the sky, something that uh, I, I've never seen. Uh, uh, and I know uh, Declo isn't too far from Mountain Home out there. I've seen yeah. a, a few military aircraft go by and some formations of helicopters before. Um, but none that were completely silent. 
Yeah, I, I, usually when the helicopters go by, you you can hear them even if they're pretty high up. And, oh yeah. You know, jets you can hear too, so it was very silent. <laughs> um, and I live um, um, probably a couple miles out of Deklow. Deklow is a town of 358 people, kind of out in the country. So um, yeah, real little. There's not a lot of yeah. It's a nice spot to be looking at the sky. Um, but the other odd thing um, was that the, I could see the Milky Way pretty well. And this string of lights seemed to be coming from the west, kind of heading northeast, uh -huh. kind of. And when it, when it came to the swath of the Milky Way, they just kind of disappeared from sight. And I assume that's because the brightness of the Milky Way kind of made them difficult to see, even when I was like trying to, you know, kind of focus on them. And then beyond that, when they came, would have been crossing that swath and coming out on the other side, I couldn't see anything at that point. So okay, so they were moving. They were moving from the like southwest towards the northeast. Yeah, more actually. Yeah, more west, southwest. Okay. Um, and you know, from from Deklow towards to the, the northeast. Yeah. Yeah, towards the northeast, you actually mm -hmm. have a little bit less light than looking west towards uh, towns like, you know, Burley and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Huh. And you know, I don't, I don't remember seeing clouds. I mean, that could obscure obscured the view but oh, I, sure. I don't have that in my recall you know of seeing clouds up there that would because I, I remember thinking it was kind of puzzling so you had said that you saw it um pass over the milky way and as it was passing over the milky way that was kind of up to the northeast and that was away from like the city and other possible light sources is that correct yeah, um, and it wasn't quite as far as like Rupert would be more to the north of me than mm -hmm. than when these were kind of disappearing from sight. Okay, and, well, and what... it was high. In the, it was high in the sky. You know what I mean? It was okay. not. What I was thinking. Like, what uh, oh, I was going to okay. say like almost ninety degrees, almost straight up, or just a little bit less. A bit less. Um. Just slightly less. Just slightly less? Just slightly less than, yeah, slightly less than 90 degrees. Um, one thing that was coming to mind for me was, is it potentially a, like, if it's something passing over, um, could it be moving away from a light source that it's reflecting? Um... Oh, possibly. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I heard that, like, if there were the satellites, that their astronomers were complaining about the um, SpaceX satellites that have been put up. And um, they're talking about putting some blackened surface on the side that would be facing the Earth so that yeah, yeah. the astronomers 
astronomers um, wouldn't be wouldn't, upset about the interference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the light. That makes some sense. Um, and there and are somebody some... else asked me today. They said, "Do you think it could have been like laser lights?" And I said, "Well, that has to reflect off something." Yeah. You know so. Yeah, you're right now, about that. Um, now, so there's probably about ten objects in this string um, moving from the west to the northeast, high up in the sky, no sound. Um, you had the presence of mind to take a really great photo and put it up on Facebook. Uh, can you tell us about some of the reactions that it got? Yeah, actually, it was um, it was pretty interesting. Um, are are you able to? Um, if I sh do, you have access to the Facebook post? Oh yeah, I shared it with Lee. Um, okay. We'll probably we'll probably put it up on the website or something uh, if we if um, we can if you'll let us use the picture. Yeah, that would be that's fine. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I was. I see one that says that's exact. That was exactly the same thing we saw about a month ago. One night in the hot tub. Yeah. Oh, that was my insurance agent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, I had quite a, I was almost shocked at how many reactions I did get. Um, let's see. So, so it really blew up. People were actually really interested in it. Yeah. Um, well, I thought so. I mean, I had 85 comments. Oh, wow. That's a good and amount of comments. Yeah, I don't That's usually get... That's better than we get on most of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people were were surprised, you know, like... Um, let's see here. Somebody said, wow. And somebody said, great photo. Who knows? That's because I said... In my post, um, I wasn't. I wasn't sure what it was, and you know, people use the term UFOs, but what that really means is an unidentified flying object. <laughs> and um, you know, I didn't identify it for sure. Those several people sent me posts of the SpaceX satellites that have been put up like thirty or sixty at a time. And they're in a string. And I looked at those, and they are kind of similar, but they seem closer together and like they were moving faster. So I would like, I've been looking to see if there's a way you can tell when the next time um, satellites, the SpaceX satellites would be in over the skies here in Idaho. Um, I haven't been able to find anything you know, to so I could look again to see if that's what I saw that night. Yeah, I saw um, an article on space.com, a really good article about these SpaceX satellites, and I think mm -hmm. it might have had some links in the story uh, to a tracker. So it'd definitely be yeah. worth checking it out. Um, now, Christine, 
this this is new technology to everyone the idea of a satellite constellation uh that is up yeah. there in the sky <laughs> well if it could uh, improve improve the internet here in Declo, that would be great <laughs> <laughs> if it could improve the internet just about everywhere that would be great one thing that i like about tesla is he seems to be trying to do stuff to look into the future so that that it to me is a positive so yeah yeah my um, my brother um works and lives six months out of the year in patagonia chile and it's kind of um humorous because he has better internet there than i have here in Declo. <laughs> oh my goodness no yeah. way oh my goodness uh, yes. well, um, the first my understanding is the first area that's supposed to be served is like canada and the northern united states so mm -hmm. um it would make sense that that's what you were seeing uh because that's the area they're going to be focused on so yeah who knows and I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if uh, SpaceX has said anything about like price point or anything like that. But I mean, we paid we paid quite a bit for internet out there in Declo, and it was not that good. I remember. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like sixty nine dollars a month, and and very sketchy at times. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh, I, I paid forty five dollars a month for for mine. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. It's a little compromised service out here. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's uh, these far-flung rural areas, you know. They yeah. Can just be, yeah. Can be tough. Uh, but there's a lot of benefits for living here. <laughs> you have to put up the te technological good handicaps. Water, right? <laughs> yeah. Good tasting water. Right? Yeah. Good tasting water. So, no, um, so I. Oh, today, actually, um, this morning at, uh, I think, 9.06 Eastern Standard Time, um, they had another SpaceX um, launch of another 60 satellites. Yes, they just launched another uh, group. And, you know, I, what I love about these SpaceX launches, you know, a rocket launch is great, um, but we've all seen a bunch of them. I love when the booster comes back and lands on oh, yeah. the drone ship. Oh my goodness! I was um, I saw the the one where they sent the um, car up the oh, Tesla. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I got to see that launch in Florida, and it was so incredible to see that come back down, almost totally synchronized the two of them, the two rockets mm -hmm. and. Um, land well, yeah, incredibly right accurately. Yeah. It was it was amazing. That's the first time I'd ever seen rockets take off, and the takeoff was pretty amazing. But the landing was over the top. Well, that's like that that's really like taking you to a point where it's almost feeling like science fiction, right? Um, we've, mm -hmm. we've been able to launch things into space for quite a while, but actually controlling a descent of some of the launch mechanism and bringing it back down to Earth. Uh, aside from the the launch, like aside from the capsule itself, it's an amazing feat. Like if you really think about controlling that landing, so yeah, no, it's to to watch it coming down in the deacceleration and then the landing. That's pretty incredible. 
Well, and huh. then the idea of this satellite constellation in its full form, I mean, the government's given them permission to launch 12,000 satellites. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. In the, history, in the history of human spaceflight, we've launched about 9,000 satellites. <laughs> oh, yeah, so this is snapping it up a little. I just it's a huge was undertaking. Um, wondering why they don't tell you when you can step outside and see it. Like these little astronomy sites that you see in the papers and online occasionally. Um, mm -hmm. You'd think instead of being aggravated about it, they'd say, hey, step outside and look at what you can see. Yeah. Oh yeah, really cool. Um, I know I used to uh, I used to use an ISS tracker so I could see the International Space Station go by, and it would alert you when it was going to be overhead. Um, mm -hmm. So they they need to do the same thing. Well, you know, right now it's a string of satellites, but in the future when there's twelve thousand of them, you know, <laughs> we could be seeing them all night long. Yeah. Well, it really was amazing that it kept, it just kept coming, you know, when I was out there in the, in my yard mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I expected it to be over quickly and, and, um, I'm guessing there were 30, you know, that was just a guess. Yeah. That's a lot though. That to me, I start to wonder at what point is it, you know, they, they talk about space junk now, um, cluttering up our skies, um, 12,000 more pieces of space junk thrown into the air or in, into the atmosphere or uh, just outside the atmosphere. Um, doesn't that create problems for, you know, sending people into space? Like it feels more dangerous to me, but I'm not a well, rocket I think scientist. There, was, there were two, um, satellite, one was a satellite and I'm not sure. I think the other was a telescope or something from NASA. Yeah. Um, that were at risk earlier today of, colliding over um the eastern united states yeah over, I think over it was pennsylvania or something like that yeah, they, yeah. They <laughs> over you know they they thought that it would pretty much be destroyed by the time it hit ground yeah. but yeah well well lee don't worry about uh the spacex satellites because your old uncle elon has already thought of it um these uh starlink satellites are actually orbiting at about uh, half the distance of a regular uh, satellite. Uh, mm -hmm. They're like something 500 kilometers up in the sky. Um, so they're they're designed to deorbit at the end of their life. Um, they'll turn them and actually thrust them downwards uh, uh, to get them out of the sky. But even if that failed. Um, there's still atmospheric drag at that height. And uh -huh. over so the course of a couple of years, they would actually fall back to earth on their own. Okay. And burn up on entry, hopefully. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 Well, and uh, they're, they're about the size of a uh, kitchen table um, with uh, just one big solar panel that hangs off them. Um, and they're like 500 pounds and, mm -hmm. uh, so still don't want to be hit yeah, by and it. then they'll just drop down out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and who knows, maybe, maybe if they figure out this, uh, painting them black, so there's not so much reflection, maybe we won't get as many 
uh, interesting you, sightings and stories like this. Yeah, I mean, it really was pretty spectacular. I, <laughs> it, it's an amazing it's just, photo. It really is. Uh, I'm impressed with the, just the, it's an amazing photo when you take into account that we deal, like me and Dan personally, or me specifically, deal in these kinds of uh, like photos of UFOs, photos of Bigfoot. There's a reason that like, it's always terrible photos. And by comparison, this is one of the better ones. So I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I think it's, I have to give credit to the phone. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I get it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, because I, I well, certainly haven't figured out all the capabilities of the phone, but and the cameras on the phone, but I, I think it's it, pretty impressive. It's figured itself it out. At night. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome story, Christine. Thank you for coming on and sharing it. Uh, thank you for uh, telling our listeners about an experience you had where you saw something that you had never seen before in the night sky and yeah. took it upon and yourself. And I just spend a lot of time outside. You know, it's not <laughs> when you live in the country. <laughs> right, right. And you're going out to do chores all the time. And in the winter, it gets dark early. Yeah. So, so we well, do have beautiful skies out here. Um, yes. Anyway, would you promise me that if you hear how you can find out what the schedule is for the SpaceX satellites that you'd let me know? Yeah, I'll go into that article, um, and I'm sure we'll share the article in the show notes. And I will try and uh, see if that tracker works, and I'll just uh, send it right over to you. Yeah, cool. Well, it was nice meeting both of you. It's nice meeting you, Christine. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Okay, (laughs) thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after this quick break. Are you easily offended? Because if you are, you should probably stop listening. Are you interested in the bizarre and unusual? Are you fascinated by the grisly sides of life? Are you the one that people call weirdo? Well then, you should get hip to Strange Brew Podcast, a podcast with a bunch of crazy Canucks. Tune in every week with Strange Brew's host, Tomcat, a.k.a. Tom Thompson. And Billy Kirby, along with many different guests. As we drink booze and we discuss anything strange and paranormal, from serial killers to aliens and all of the above. So crack those beers. And toss on those tinfoil hats because because it's it's about about to get strange. All right, Lee, we're back. What did you think of our interview with Christine Spelius? Man, it was a very interesting interview. Um, and it was really enlightening to see kind of what, not I don't want to call the layman, but the, the a person that's never seen anything like this before, how they would react to seeing something strange. Um, and what I love about it is the the that she had that presence of mind to document what she could. Um, she even says it's a fairly blurry photo, but honestly, as far as uh, UFOs, uh, my finger quotes were up goes. Um, 
it's a pretty solid picture, and we're going to include that picture in the show notes, right, Dan? Oh, yeah, she's given us permission to use it, so we're going to put it up. Guys, go check it out. Um, it's actually really, really neat to see this string of lights in the sky. You can almost see the motion um, because of how long the shutter was open and the camera settings. Um, it's it's fascinating. And, uh, Lee, I think you hit on something really good. It, there's a genuineness to the story. We're talking about a real person's experience, something that could happen to you or me or any of our listeners. You go outside and you see something you've never seen before. What do you do? Exactly. And one thing that I really love about it is it was a genuine to her. It was genuinely a UFO. But instead of immediately jumping to that conclusion, she did her research. She figured it out. Um, She wasn't the one that officially said, hey, um, hey, that's a SpaceX satellite. But she put it out to the Internet. She put it out so people could look at it and give her some ideas of what it could be before she automatically assumed that it was aliens. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love for somebody to finally get def- definitive proof of aliens. Somebody in my in my inner circle or in my circle of expanded friends to find some sort of proof of aliens that is unexplainable. But in reality... You have to eliminate the most obvious answers before the um, most improbable thing is a possibility. Oh, for sure. And the thing is, Lee, we live in an information age. Um, It's so easy to share. Uh, So instead of taking this photo and taking her experience and keeping it to herself, she went out and shared it with the Internet. Um, There's so many people out there who you know know more than you or i uh you know i won one game of jeopardy there's guys out there who won like 32 and 74 we know that was a worry that i had for you i was scared you were gonna get knocked out by that dude (laughs) yeah oh yeah um yeah when i showed up james holtzauer was still the champion that was pretty freaky um but that's that's besides the point. <laughs> Sorry, the is there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who might know something you don't. So if you share your experience, um, you have a lot better chances of finding answers. If you've got questions, put them out there. Um, and yeah, you know sometimes it sounds funny, uh, and sometimes you might look a little silly, but. I mean, come on, people move on. Uh, it's it's Facebook. Most people are just going to scroll past it anyway, right? Yeah, and well, and this one's a great example of the internet being kind to a person. She put it out. She said, "I don't know what this is," and you know what? Pe- how people responded? They either said, "Oh yeah, I've seen something like that too. It's weird," or they responded with a genuine idea. They gave her a possible solution, and it turned out to be something fairly explainable in this case. Yeah, well, and you know what? I think this is one of the great things about living in a small town. Uh, Everybody knows everybody, and so it actually breeds a certain level of politeness, right? (laughs) Um, Wait, you mean not everybody is an internet troll? (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, even on the internet, because the next day you're going to see that person at the grocery store, and they might be very unhappy with you. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) yeah, uh, that's that's one of the great things about small town living. Another thing is too, um, having 
having a set of conditions that you can view these satellites under where there's not a lot of light pollution uh where you're out there oh yeah and you can you can see the stars you can see the milky way um you know there's a lot of uh people out there in big cities who don't get to see any of this yeah you're absolutely right um and then uh, the last thing i want to touch on by like some of the reactions she got i think it illustrates uh something we've been talking about this uptick in interest in the ufo phenomena um that i think has really um been boosted by the navy tic tac videos what do you think lee i agree um i i think you're right about it where the interest is there and there's less stigma related to it because the military finally came out and said hey this is something we don't know what it is um we can't explain it and and that opened the door to allow those people that are more protective of themselves to say, uh, hey, I've seen something I didn't really understand either. It doesn't have to be aliens. God, do I want it to be. But it doesn't have to be aliens. Right, right. Um, and you know what's kind of neat is uh, she touched on it. The internet out there is crap. <laughs> Wait. So, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Wait, buffering, buffering loading um hold on there dan so i lost you this oh you did no i'm just messing with you keep on going you got better internet now. oh you son of a gun oh <laughs> my god you got me oh you got me you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> you're so mad at me like... <laughs> i know i was about to stop i was about to stop the whole podcast oh i'm glad i stopped um, you just in time <laughs> no, yeah. um no but seriously the internet sucks out there and what's cool is this experience and this new technology might actually lead to improvements in these rural lifestyles, um, you know, in this 5G Internet of Things, super connected world future that we're going to be living in. Am I supposed to comment? I got nothing, Dan. Yeah, that was pretty good, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you. You just dropped thank the mic there. I had nothing. I was I was Boom. so focused on what you were saying. <laughs> no, that's cool. So we've we've talked about Christine's interview. Uh, let's talk about the technology that is going to be, you know, potentially world shaking. We're talking about global internet connection here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is huge yeah that's your that's your um, basic 5g connectivity seven point star 1832 24 um 17 gigawatt <laughs> where you, you, you run the cable through the mb5 hash you know all that sort of stuff yeah. exactly yeah. how many more it's, bugs words can we come up with <laughs> it's it's actually gonna be really cool i mean they sell the idea by showing you like rural villages in Africa where kids can do like online courses and stuff now. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's actually a lot more to it. 
that I found out when I started delving into um, what the Starlink system is going to mean for our internet-connected future. So, um, the Starlink satellites, the actual hardware, are mass-produced uh, to reduce the costs. So, it, you can imagine if you're going to create an array with thousands of satellites, it would be a lot easier to make them all the same and make them as quickly and cheaply as possible. I like the Model T. Oh, yeah. Except in space! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're mass-producing these things. Um, They're about 500 pounds each, and they're designed to lay down flat and be stacked inside a Falcon 9 rocket. Um, And they put them in there 60 at a time. Just one on top of the other. Boom, 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 boom. Like a deck of cards. Or a tower. Nice. Inside the rocket. Yeah. Stuck on Falcon Um, 9. It's an awesome name. Falcon 9. I know. Like, there there was like a Falcon 7 before, right? Well, I don't know. I just like the name Falcon for a right. uh, (laughs) Did they start at Falcon 9? Like, somebody was like, Falcon 9 is the right name for a rocket. I don't know. Maybe, like, there were a couple ideas. We should have gone back into the full history of SpaceX, but we're really just looking at Starlink here. Um, Yeah, who knows? We'll have to go back and check out Falcon 1. Maybe Falcon 1 was the coolest one of them all. Probably not. They probably step up incrementally. (laughs) Oh, oh, I know. I know exactly what I'm... Falcon I know one's like Elon's a bottle rocket like, in Elon's no, no. Corona. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly what Elon's planning. He's planning. He he's playing the long game, Lee. He's, okay. He's thinking so much further ahead. He's in the year three thousand. We're in the year two thousand. He's waiting until they get to the Falcon two thousand, so he can call it the Millennium Falcon. <gasps> You know, it could only be the Falcon Thousand. Well, whatever. Whichever, <laughs> which, whenever, whenever he feels like calling it the Millennium Falcon, he's going to drop it in there, and it's going to work, and everyone's going to love it. God, they're going to have to keep improving that fairly quickly. Then <laughs> it'll happen. Lee. The techno Elon has the technology. I think. I think he's an alien. I think he's got have, all the good. Have stuff. you ever looked at him? He kind of looks oh. like a robot. Yeah. You do, you do you ever see the um, Rick and Morty with Elon Tusk? No. <laughs> they did an alien. It was Elon <laughs> Musk, but he had like walrus tusks. <laughs> you ever seen the movie Tusk, Dan? Oh, you know what? I I think I put that in my Netflix queue and then never watched it. It is. Well, it's a good movie. Weird. Like, it's interesting. Um, they uh-huh. turn Justin Long into a walrus, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a podcaster, dire- too, in that movie. Who directed that movie? Was that a Kevin Smith movie? I don't remember. Yes, no, maybe so. Maybe? I don't know. Whatever. Um, anyways, um, Movie reviews are the domain of What the Suck on the Fourth Hand Podcast Network, guys. Check them out for bad horror movie reviews. And there was um, a drop-in. <laughs> boom. Boom. 
Um, so anyway, we're mass producing these things. We're throwing them up. They're stacked up flat inside a Falcon 9 rocket. When they get into space, they have a solar panel that folds out. So the, uh, the flat table part body of the satellite faces down towards the Earth. And the solar panel sticks out to power the antennas and the lasers that this thing uses and its um, gyroscope and the thrusters, the ion thrusters. Dude, these things are badassly. <laughs> What's so funny? One day, some... <laughs> One, it's got lasers, Lee. One, it's got one lasers. Day, somebody said to Mister e, to Uncle Elon, "What did what did you want? What do you want on this?" He says, "I just want some lasers on my freaking satellites. All I wanted was some lasers attached yeah. to my freaking satellites. <laughs> Why can't I get any so, reliable help around here?" <laughs> okay. Okay. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> So, so no, they sound awesome. So here's the thing, Lee. They it needs the lasers so that it can communicate uh between satellites, right? Okay. Um cuz you can imagine having this array of satellites, you got to make sure that they don't hit each other, that they don't hit other things, and then you're actually transmitting data in between them and points on the earth. Mm-hmm. So they have to communicate with each other and send that data across the network uh hence the lasers okay it's like it's like using a fiber optic cable but with no glass they just shoot it across space from one satellite to the next okay i like so, it so yeah i'm i know no they ass, sound right? awesome i just thought that that was just the funniest thing when you said lasers i was like <laughs> freaking sure. laser beams on the freaking satellites <laughs> So, uh, well, Lee, here's the thing. The lasers make them faster than any internet connectivity system that we have right now. Wait a minute. Faster than 5G? It's going to be faster than a fiber optic cable, like transatlantic fiber optic cable. That seems crazy, because right now we've got internet speeds that, like, I'm coming to you on, like, the slowest internet speed I can buy in my location, and it's still, like, 30 times faster than what I had five years ago. And they're saying to me that it's not fast enough. They're trying to claim that I need faster internet. Yeah. We're, We're talking being able to send a data packet from, like, New York to London... Uh, faster than the fastest transatlantic cable we have now. Um, because the speed, because it's limited by the speed of light through glass, mm-hmm. like a glass fiber optic cable. Um, and so the speed the of light of time, through through air is yeah. faster. Yes, and through a va- and through space. Yeah, it's not through a vacuum. It's through air. Yeah, well, it's got to go through air up to the satellite, but then they shoot the lasers out. Pew, 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 pew. You said the satellite was in a low orbit. It's still within our atmosphere, didn't you? Well, so, yeah, I mean, there's still I don't still know why I'm, like, arguing with there. you. 
But... See, there's not there's not like a line, Lee, where the atmosphere stops. It just slowly becomes less and less until there's none. Okay. So there's still atmospheric drag at the height these satellites are flying at, which is like 550 kilometers up, right? Um, and again, having these satellites closer to the Earth makes it faster, because right now they have uh, space satellites that do internet, but they're usually in a geosynchronous orbit, which is way higher up. Um, these satellites being closer to the ground are going to be like 20 times faster than current geosynchronous internet systems. Still in looking space. at y'all squinty-eyed because I think you're just science wording it up and I don't, I don't understand. Okay, okay. No, I'm so... not with you. I'm just messing with you now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to explain totally. I was totally going to go into how geosynchronous satellite works. Um, but no, no, it's okay, that's, Dan. That's... I was, I was honestly just like at a point where I was like, now I'm just going to. I'm sorry. I, I'm a terrible person to do a podcast <laughs> with. I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> no, it's alright. It's alright. Um, so wait, Lee. Okay, so a side note. Have you ever seen uh, a game called Kerbal Space Program? No. I saw that in the notes and had no idea what you were talking about. Oh, dude. Okay. You get to, like, run NASA, except you're, uh, instead of people, you're on this planet called Kerbal with these little Kerbal aliens, these little green men, and you get to, like, create rockets and fly them out into space. Okay. And the, like, the orbital dynamics of these craft are, like, really accurate, so. Okay, maybe I'll check it out sometime. It's a pretty neat, fun little game, especially when you, like, send your guy out on a spacewalk or something like that, but then you can't, like, (laughs) or you send him too far out, and he's past the point of no return, you can't get him back in the capsule, and then he dies in space, or you, like, crash your rockets and that sort of thing. You know, it's it's a good time. You sound like that kid that was like, hey, have you ever taken a sim <laughs> and just put a building around it and then just let him die? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> You send little green men out to die alone in the vacuum of space, and it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> See how you are, you psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make it fun. It's intended to be fun. <laughs> It's for kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, us. <sighs> um, so, okay, so not only are these things going to be shooting lasers um, faster than the fastest internet we have, uh, and there's a really good uh, YouTube video on this by a guy called uh, Real Engineering, um, so check that one out if you want to understand uh, how this works and how it's faster than other uh, fiber systems. Anyways, um, the satellites are also going to be linked up. They've got gyroscopes to tell their positions, and they'll be linked up to the uh, government's spacecraft collision detection systems. Right, so they'll be able to actually move themselves out of the way of uh, any space junk or other satellites that are up there. See, that's smart. So if they if it has to move out of the way, do you think it interrupts service at that moment or does it just like 
Well, yeah, actually, probably, um, because because they're so close to the ground, the area that they cover is pretty is small, not very right? large. Yeah, yeah, um, and so any any time they would have to move, it would probably create some slight disruptions in the service. But there's also going to be a slew of these satellites. I mean, thousands of them. So if only one moves, it'd be a very minor disruption. Um, but I mean, who knows? You know, these, like the description of these satellites sounds like the first step in the evolution of um, a Dyson sphere. Yeah, I mean, this is essentially what you would do if you were trying to create a Dyson sphere, except you'd be... Uh, around a sun, putting, around a star. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, if you were trying to create a Dyson swarm. Yeah, um, sorry, Dyson swarm. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's kind of the same idea covering the whole, uh, or as much as you can in a, in a constellation of satellites around an entire globe, Mm -hmm. uh, planetoid, celestial body, whatever you want. Yeah. Now, could Um, these, could these, uh, could these, these, like the swarm of, uh, satellites possibly run a small film across there uh, from one to the other and um, uh, create uh, natural sun protection. Oh, you know, uh, I, I, probably not very much, Lee. I mean, these things are like the size of a kitchen table. So even though there's like, you know, 3,000 of them across the whole surface of the earth, that's not going to be that much sun protection. But if they could... Never mind. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> that joke's going nowhere. Uh, Leave it alone, guys. It's funnier yeah. that I cut it off like that. <laughs> so, so yeah, these things are going to be pretty pretty autonomous out there. Um, we touched on the space junk issue. They are designed to be deorbited, um, and they are flying at such a low altitude that even if there was a total thruster failure they would eventually just uh, fall back to Earth. So are these small enough to burn up in the atmosphere as they enter, or is, it, is there some danger uh, or some minute increased danger of uh, us getting hit by falling satellites now? Yeah, well, um, mostly. <laughs> I believe... Uh, in that real engineering video, he did touch on this. I think it was something like 95% of this thing's supposed to burn up, uh, with the thruster Mm -hmm. being, um, part that might not. And also, uh, some of the components for the laser systems, uh, because those have to be able to withstand very high heat. Mm -hmm. So those would, uh, potentially make it back to the earth. Yeah. So what he's saying is Elon Musk is playing the long game. And he's actually going to just eliminate his enemies by falling satellite thrusters. Boom. Take that. Uh, you know, you know that meme where it says chances of being killed by a cow are never zero. Just saying. Oh, dude, I've got, I've had some run ins with cows, man. Yeah. I mean, it's minimal, but they're never yeah. zero. It's the same thing mm-hmm. with falling mm-hmm. satellites. That's right. That's right. Don't mess around. Um, no, Elon is playing the long game, Lee, because, check it out, um, because this, 
uh, satellite internet service is going to be faster than fiber optic. Um, businesses are going to be chomping at the bit, especially stock traders. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes. Um, like because of our current, like, uh, computer aided trading speed is of the essence Mm -hmm. in stock trades. Uh, and how fast you can move this information from one place to another is a big deal. In fact, spaces near the stock exchanges are highly coveted by traders, um, and their internet connection is vital. Mm-hmm. So this they're going to sell a premium service to businesses with super high speeds, um, and then they're going to use that money to invest in the program so that, like, you know kids in Africa and India can have online classes and just uh, they're going to try and use the the premium service to help subsidize the global service and the potential for profits is huge. I mean you're talking about global internet connection mm-hmm. to 7 8 9 billion people eventually right um, there's, there's a lot of money to be made I wonder, and this is just hypothetically, what that does to those separatist countries that are out there. So let's use North Korea, for example. North Korea doesn't want its people being influenced by outside media, but at what point, like, how does that go for global relations when we've got satellites above them that the North Koreans can just get a phone and get on there or what have you. Oh yeah. So check it out. Um, to use the Starlink system right now, you're going to need a receiver mm-hmm. uh, and old uncle Elon's got a prototype. Uh, he said in a tweet, this is a, this is a quote from Elon Musk's Twitter. Um, it looks like a thin flat round UFO on a stick. Starlink terminal has motors to self adjust to the optimal angle to view the sky, instructions are simple. Plug in socket, point in sky. These instructions work in either order, no training required. So that's gonna be it's gonna be as simple as plugging in the receiver and boom, there you go. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, old Uncle Elon, he's thinking everything. He's actually uh, sent tweets via the Starlink system. So, I mean, it it does work theoretically. It's not complete right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think their target was something like the end of the year to start serving the northern United States and Canada. So, I mean, it's it's coming up. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close. Yeah. So, so this is going to be a cash cowley and, um, you know, Elon's got even bigger plans for like Mars colonization and all this sort of stuff. All these businesses he's doing very future focused. Yes. Um, yes. And so this will be a big, a big profit, but there's actually talk that they might spin off Starlink from SpaceX. Okay. So it'd be it'd be like a separate company. Okay. That's probably a smart Why, idea. 
Yeah, see, that way SpaceX can focus on, like, colonizing Mars, Mm -hmm. and Starlink would focus on a consumer Earth-based internet business. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. And... Um, plus, oh, go ahead. No, and, and what, what's smart about it in a couple ways is if, if SpaceX, let's say, goes under for whatever reason, um, which we're not saying that it will, Starlink is not necessarily affected by SpaceX failure. Um, yes. And vice versa. That being said, Mm -hmm. global internet, if it's successful and actually works, it's not going to fail. <laughs> Even if they charge money for it, it's not going to fail. <laughs> like, yeah, so. yeah. Well, and according to their spokespeople, uh, there's been some other companies, you know, uh, Bezos and some other Richie Riches, Apple people have been like, hey, maybe we should get into this. Uh, the, the, these SpaceX is already putting the satellites up. Mm-hmm. So everyone else is way, way behind. Yeah. So it's not going to work out. The other thing is, Thule, um they're talking about spinning off Starlink uh, and making it a, a public company, doing an IPO and selling stock. Mm-hmm. Um, SpaceX is backed by venture capitalists, and it's private. Uh-huh. So they, old Uncle Elon doesn't have to show everyone how much money SpaceX is making or losing, right? Yeah. Um, but if the company's public... Then there are very strict reporting requirements. So, like I say, old, old Uncle Elon can have his SpaceX, shoot him off to Mars. I get to do what I want business over here. And on the other side, you have Starlink giving everyone internet across the globe for, uh, I'm sure, a, a low, low price. Well. By, facil- by facilitating... Uh, billionaires who trade stocks or or who have computers trade stocks for them and make piles and piles of money piles and piles piles and piles genius no i really do i think that it's an it's a great idea um i like the fact i think i like the fact that he's splitting it splitting it off because like you said if one fails the other one doesn't necessarily fail or like i said yeah yeah so and uh that's just talk but i mean if if there's going to be an IPO for a global internet system run by Elon Musk, I think people are going to jump on that. Uh, that's probably oh, yeah. going to be a huge stock offer. Can you imagine the starting price of that? Like, I can't believe that it would be like super low. I can't believe you're like getting in the in the um, ground floor of like Apple kind of thing, right? <laughs> no, I, it's going to be so hyped up, um, and you've. I mean, you've seen a lot of these tech IPOs uh, at first. They're kind of, they tend to be overvalued at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, people buy into the hype. And sometimes, usually the prices will drop, but then they start ticking back up depending on the economy and, well, and, and the business. Yeah, and the business. You got to look at those businesses that do, that are actually going to be successful. So, still holding out hope for the pot, the pot stocks to start going legal. Yeah. <laughs> oh dude yeah dude for real um when, when i was living back in idaho me and a couple guys were talking about like we should get some money together to invest if it ever becomes legal because idaho's gonna be like the last state um 
So there's already going to be big pot businesses everywhere mm-hmm. that are just going to jump in on. Oh yeah. On Idaho. Oh yeah. So, but um, so what do you think, Lee? What do you think this future, this globally connect? Like you're talking about being able to get internet everywhere, the smallest villages, the desert, out on the ocean, like everywhere. What's the, what's this going to do to the world? So, I'm I'm kind of split on it, and here's why. I believe that people in uh, what we would consider to be like, it's hard to say, like, not a third world country, but in underdeveloped countries, many of them mm-hmm. are much smarter than what um, us as Americans and other and as other industrialized countries may think. So I think it might open up the door for, um, you know, like like the the initial plan is is to get. Um, kids able to access internet learn and do online correspondence courses and different things like that and i think that that's that's great but i also think that it's going to make it that much easier for idiots to get behind a microphone and act like they know what the hell they're talking about what <laughs> oh wow no i i do you know- i do think that it it is if it's used wrong, it can turn into something that's uh, propaganda for very negative influences. And I'm just, I'm always hesitant about that. So, Yeah, it's, it's so crazy to think of having a system that covers the entire globe um, and have it be run by a for-profit enterprise at that. Um, it's it's a little it's a, you know we all trust Uncle Elon right he seems like a cool guy uh, you know smoking weed making flamethrowers <laughs> throw breaking windows out of trucks <laughs> <laughs> like you know just he seems that like wasn't supposed to happen <laughs> yeah he, 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 he seems pretty legit so. <laughs> He's he's a normal guy, uh, a little bit out there, but uh, we can trust Uncle Elon. But he's not going to be around forever, um, and who knows? Like I said, in this in this future where we have an Internet of Things, self driving cars, um, you know, probably autonomous ships and all kinds of things like that that are going to rely on this global network. What's God, that puts a lot of power into one company. That they're going to have a monopoly the way it, it looks right now. I agree, um, but what's the difference between, let's say, government run and um, major company run? Honestly, the major companies run the government anyway, and far as far as we are here in the U.S. So. As far as like a group of people being in charge of something, I I look at it the same way that I do the government. It's not it's not controllable at our level, um, at where we are, you know, in life. Unfortunately, uh, that being said, uh, I I don't know. It, there's a lot like 
there's a lot of those big tech companies out there, but putting all of the internet would be essentially in this person's hands or in this group's mm-hmm. hands. It does seem like it could be used for evil. Or to gouge people and make massive amounts of money. I mean, think about um, in the time, in the old days, Lee, when they had to break up AT&T. Mm-hmm. You know, AT&T had a monopoly on phone lines in America for a long time through all all over the country. And it had to be broken up. Mm-hmm. Uh, slow, slowly, it has recollected uh, a lot of those old companies that used to be part of AT&T. But technology moved on. Uh-huh. And now it has competition and Verizon and Sprint. But even then, now, I mean... What what is there now? Like, didn't they approve the Sprint T Mobile merger? I think there's like three na- nationwide cell phone providers. Yeah, I think T Mobile owns Sprint. Yeah. Um, so you're looking you're looking at three. Mm-hmm. You got Sprint T Mobile, one company now, AT and T, Verizon. Yeah. Um, and they own every cell phone network in the country. And you know, th- except except for a few small local ones. Well, that's the thing. Even those few small local ones run off the same towers as the T-Mobile, AT and T, and um, and uh, Verizon do. Oh, when you go outside the local area, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, even that, I don't even think that that like I think that those ones are still on the same towers. Like they 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 have a negotiated price with um, Verizon or with oh, AT and T. Yeah, See, like I say, we we live we live in an era now of giant corporate mergers, um, and now extrapolate that into our information sharing future, where you know these companies are keeping track of everything you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to figure out, just to figure out how to sell you a T-shirt or something like that. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's it's gonna be crazy, man. It's gonna be weird. And I don't like the idea of a monopoly. It seems, uh, it's, it's un-American. It's undemocratic. <laughs> this is un-American. Yeah, America. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a drink of beer, America. I, I am with you on that. It is a, it is a little bit scary with that. At the same time, Multiple companies aren't going to get this off the ground. It has to be one company make it happen, right? Um, I mean, yeah, we're. T- I mean, this many satellites. I mean, if another company goes and decides to launch, you know, twelve thousand satellites or whatever Uncle Elon's gotten approval for, I don't know if that's like actually feasible. I don't I don't think there's that much real estate up there. Um especially in that golden zone that they need for those satellites to be effective essentially. So um so yeah, if you dude. look at it, one company has to be one one group has to be the one that does it. Obviously the US isn't going to do it. Um it it doesn't look like there is any other country in the world that would really have the technology to do it. Um, so is it a private business that has to take this step into the future? I guess it is. Does that private, 
Well, the thing is, uh, Lee, the U.S. kind of is doing it because we're paying Uncle Elon to create these rockets to send our astronauts to space eventually. Like, he's got government contracts. Uh, well. So. Okay. You're not wrong you know. on that. You're not wrong because the U.S. Yeah. canceled their own space program, essentially. So now it's ran by private businesses. Well, we just transferred the shipping of material into low Earth orbit to private businesses. Uh, how is that different? So, so that so that NASA could focus on uh, deep space and colonization missions, and and the science instead instead of launching rockets here and there, because they've got launching rockets down. They know how to put a rocket into orbit. And so, that's easy. We're, we need to push the frontiers of science, not just launch rockets. So, they said, private companies can do that. They'll figure out how to make it cheap and efficient. And we will focus on, you know, figuring out what Pluto's made of. Or trying to bring a meteor or asteroid to the Earth so we could potentially mine its resources and setting up a colony on Mars. Where's the news of that happening? Like I'm just I'm I'm just asking. I'm not like trying to challenge you on that. I just I did not hear that at all. I thought that they essentially canceled their uh program. No, that's like uh this is going back like I mean to when the shuttle shut down essentially. They were like, "Okay, we're going to shut down the space shuttle." People are like, "Okay, what are we going to do after that?" They were like, "Well, we could build another rocket and figure out how to, you know, keep putting stuff into low Earth orbit, or we do this. And okay. our privatization plan is, uh, it's paying off. And SpaceX, it, if this all works out, they're going to make a pile of money. Um, and it's going to be another great new industry uh, based here in the United States. I want to see that pile of money, just not to change the subject, but I do like, I, I hope it's like Scrooge McDuck levels of money. You know, do you what? think Elon swims? I, it would like, not surprise like... <laughs> if he, does he have a money? Then? Um, so a couple of things, one, the physics of diving into a stack of coins is not as it's portrayed in DuckTales. Um, those are, those are hard pieces of metal. <laughs> Stacked one on top of the other. Um, it's not going to work out like you think. You're not going to dive into the coins. Um, oh. So, but, you know, if it was dollar bills, you know, they, they might get a little swim action. What about Hunskies? What, do you think Hunskies would be any different than dollar bills? Oh, well, no, they're made out of the same stuff. They're on a cotton paper. So, yeah, I mean. Except they'd be crisper and probably more likely to give you a uh, paper cut. Oh! But you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, we could launder them first. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> well, uh, you launder them. You, well, that's why you can put a dollar through the wash and it'll still be a dollar. I know, because it's not actually on, paper. It's, it's like a paper. cotton paper yeah. blend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, um, okay, Lee, um, do you know there's a, there's a lot of things about money here. We're going to get into... Something that, um, I don't know if I want to share with the people, 
But here it is anyway, because I'm putting it out there. Um, do you know there's a rule about denominations of money um, and their cleanliness? Uh, have you heard? No. Of, have you heard about no. this at all? Um, so essentially, the idea is Lee that if you were going to roll up a American uh, piece of paper currency and use it to, say, snort a line of coke off a mirror or some other uh, inhaling drug, um, you got to use a 50 or a 100. Oh, because the ones are not clean enough? The other denominations are too dirty. Okay. Lee, they pass through too many hands. You got to use a 50 or a hundo, man. So next time, next time you're down in Nash Vegas doing a line of Coke, <laughs> just keep that in mind. Okay, Dan, where did you learn that information? Like everything else you've ever told me, like, I'm like, oh yeah, he's just a smart guy. But this one, I'm like, where did it come from? Never mind, you well, can't, don't, um, don't, don't <laughs> ruin it. You see, I have been to Las Vegas, Lee, but, uh, no, I've never done any of that. Dan sort of is thing. secretly a millionaire. <laughs> he got his millions from an unnamed Mexican... <laughs> Illegal pharmaceutical company. Illegal pharmaceutical company. <laughs> <laughs> Unlicensed pharmaceutical Unli- <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <This> is great. <laughs> no. So, so uh, that's a that's a little pearl in knowledge that we can uh, leave for the people, so that they know the next time they want to uh, crush something and inhale it, so they can get high faster than if they ingested it. And this is how we lose our ability to podcast going forward. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Dan will see, be, be seeing us from a prison cell, and I will be shut down. So there we go. <laughs> well, guys, it was it was actually really neat to tell you about uh, some fascinating new technology, how it might impact the world. Uh, leave you with a little advice make sure you use a 50 or 100 if you're gonna do anything uh absolutely crazy like that thank you all for listening to our talk about spacex and join us next week for another tale from out there beyond terrestrial Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. You can check us out on Apple Pod, Google Play, and other major podcast platforms. And if you want to keep up with the show goings on, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Beyond T Pod. That's Beyond the Letter T Pod. And as always, you can get all of that information as well as show notes and episodes as they come out 
on beyondterrestrial.com. That's right, we got the .com. And if you want to help out the show, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or a like and a review wherever you listen to Beyond Terrestrial. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.